0: Hey guys, spoke with Roman Valen and Brent Sanders about technology due diligence today. A really fascinating conversation. We left out Igor Belogorudsky from Fast CTO. We'll have him in the next one. He is mentioned, but that's someone who I always recommend for technology due diligence as well. Thought it was a fascinating conversation. Hope you enjoy it. Team podcast conversations don't necessarily reflect the views of Business Incorporated. Everything you hear is informational news and updates from around the industry. We're not recommending any investments, we're not offering any investment advice. Be sure to do your own homework. All right. Brent Roman, welcome. Thank Morgan. you. You guys are, are kind enough to show up today for an exit prep session on technical diligence. So we have a lot of um, owners on the Business Nexus platform in the marketplace who have eyeballs on the community, and they come in through exit prep. The goal is to help educate from a first-time seller, right? So someone who's been building something, has a technical architecture that you know a buyer will, will want to vet. What can a seller do to help prepare for diligence so that they're not going to get caught, they're not going to get dinged on valuation through that process? We've got Roman Balin from Dudilio which is a diligent partner with BizNexus. And in Roman, I'm going to let you kind of lead this whole thing, but really sure. quickly, if you're looking diligence, be ridiculously niche, depending on what you're looking for on the buy side, on the sell side. And Roman has a platform where he matches you up with the right candidate for just diligence. That's his wheelhouse is all things diligence. And so Roman was kind enough to reach out to Brent, who is a representative on the platform, on the Dudelio platform. And Brent, I think Roman ultimately chose you to, to step up today because you, you do deal with a variety of companies, small, medium and large. And maybe we can get into that and just some of the top, we only have 20 minutes today. So maybe the top things that you'd want a first time seller and owner to take away from this call to take away from this session when it's done. So Roman, I'll let you introduce yourself and, and just run with it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, Adam, thanks for having us on here. So again, yeah, Dedilio Expert Network focused on due diligence. If you're looking to have anything done, come to us. We'll help you out. And um, yeah. So, Brent, let's let's kind of get started here. So, uh, you know, from a business owner's perspective, someone who is just getting ready to list their business, what should they do to really prepare uh, their business for what's to come on the technical due diligence?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. It applies, as Adam mentioned, it applies to companies a little bit differently across small, medium, large. So I'm going to speak in, in broad generalities and, and start focusing, I guess, on what's going to apply the most to probably the small, the medium-sized businesses. These are what we see the most quantity of. And when it comes to this question, have the most to gain by thinking through it. So the first thing that I would tell people to, to kind of do some brush up on, or at least try to get organized around is, is licensing. What do you have? What is your tech stack built? And obviously assuming you, you understand what the tech stack is, you have an architecture, you may or may not have a, a dev team in house. You might have a contracting team, create a, an item, a ticket for them to work on to just kind of let's go through our requirements. Let's go so go see what we're importing. You know, it's less important about how far back these libraries or references are, but it's like, what is the core of our technology? Has the licensing changed? Is there are there any kind of bumps coming up in the road? Because there are a lot of interesting and new open source licenses beyond, you know, what has historically been in place that can have a significant impact on valuation. Once you go into like the diligence process and, and uncover that late in the game can yeah. be a, kind of a, a heartbreaker.
1: And, you know, what do you mean by licenses? Uh, Is that so from someone who uh, I'm not a tech person, when I think of licenses, I think of, well, I pay for Microsoft Office. I pay for Norton. Is that what you mean? Or is it something different?
2: It's something different. Good call. Yeah. So this is not like your Adobe license, your subscription for Photoshop. This is assuming your product is built using some open source software technologies. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a whole graph of dependencies that are going to make up what your application is, right? You're going to be using some library for your request, some library for communicating with you know, other services. These are, are usually the case for more, most modern applications uh, that are getting built today. Web applications, mobile applications, and those are usually licensed under like an open source license, a GPL license. I won't get into the specific licensing models, but they're generally like the extent is you can use it for commercial software. You can redistribute it. You just have to give us a credit. And if you change it, you may have to share that with us. That's like 90% of the, the licenses out there. However, there are evolutions that have started popping up where maybe a product that's been around for 10, 20 years, or maybe 10 years, I should say decided to kind of rework how we they're going to license the product and so as you go to upgrade you know as a buyer is going to look they're going to probably going to want to maintain or upgrade your software dependencies and packages and all the pieces that make up your your product they may run into a roadblock and that's the one thing that i would say is the most important to get out in front of before you head out to market
1: Mm-hmm. That's thinking about the software side. Um, is there anything to do there in terms of the hardware and from a personnel perspective? Is there anything a buyer, uh, a seller, should think about?
2: Yeah, I mean, in thinking about around the realm of licensing, probably not so much. I mean, hardware usually doesn't come packaged like this, where it could change. Right, mm-hmm. that's the the part of this that if you are using some dependencies like this you know as you go to upgrade the licensing can change you can see you know common products being relicensed but on the the personnel side of things like depending on what your profile is you know think about listing the company i think understanding you know the contributions of the the team members making sure that you understand what they do from a tech perspective is always important as well. Yeah.
0: A lot of the listeners here are going to be non-technical, right? So I come from an m a background, I'm not a tech background. I work with you know, Fast CTO, with Igor Belogorovsky to help with the product. But if I were going to go sell Business to tomorrow, I'd have no idea what the hell to do. Am I talking with my lawyer? Would I be speaking with like a West Hill counsel or would I be speaking with Fast CTO? Yeah. So who yeah, great. would I go to? Because in- just real quick, because so many of the buyers are going to do that. Like they're going to go to somebody to make sure that they can do the diligence and on the buy side. So as a seller, how do I start the process? What should I expect to pay? I mean, maybe if you could just shed a little light. Yeah,
2: no, no, That's a great way to get right at the question. So it's both. It's uh, It can be an attorney and a like, CTO, fractional CTO, somebody. What you need to do is have that CTO prepare a list of the dependencies. What are the packages we're using? A project could have 100 of these. It could have 10 of these. It's some number between 10 and 100 usually, right? It's, it, it's vague, but, and they're going to come back to you with a list of, you're going to see things like MIT, Apache, GPL, right? Those are the types of licenses. There's a known universe of these. And along with like, hey, we're using this and this and a spreadsheet, and they're going to give you that. And then you're going to take that to your attorney. And your attorney may be able to look at it right away. And, you know, most MA firms have an IP slash, uh, you know, technical licensing specialist run it by them that's one of the best things that you could do early on to save a little bit of heartbreak you know in terms of what that's going to cost i mean it's a couple hours of an attorney's time which uh mileage varies greatly yeah a couple hours a couple hours yeah (laughs) yeah it sounds
1: like um it all starts off with documentation right so the that's the first thing that a business seller should really look at create a document all the software that's used, all the interdependencies, who is in charge of each piece, right? So just have that outlined. Is that the right way to think about it?
2: That's a huge plus. If I'm coming in and looking at a deal and I have that, you're going to get ahead really quickly um, versus, again, the, the main risk that you're trying to mitigate here is we find something at the end, you know, and our already beyond at the end of the diligence. And it's like going to kill essentially the valuation. Right, right, right. So uh, you've been on both sides, right? You've been
1: on, you've performed the diligence. You've also, I'm sure had uh, someone perform the diligence on uh, your business. Thinking about, I guess, what would a business seller, what should they be prepared for? Like someone hires you, let's say on the buy side and you come in to do diligence on a business. What's kind of the first thing that either you request or you look at kind of, what's the first thing you go to?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So we have a, a rubric that's generally, you know, five different areas. It's the mm-hmm. code base. And it, again, this varies depending on, you know, whether, if it's a, a hardware company, it's going to be totally different. This is more for software SaaS yeah. businesses specifically is what I would say. We're going to look at the code. We're going to look at the sort of testing infrastructure. We're going to look at the source and the product management around um you know, the roadmap, what have you guys been doing? What's been changing? Developer, you know, how your team works, if you have an existing team. Uh, and then the final thing is around just like your, your server setup, your infrastructure. And those are generally the domains that we roll through. So having a handle on those things, having access, having, you know, passwords, I would say this is the one of the easiest things to make uh, Diligence successful on a tech side is just If you don't have a single source of password, I can't recommend like one password enough. And that can be a project if a lot of companies they will have 30, 40, 50 different AWS, Heroku, different logins for different systems, Mm -hmm. centralizing access control. Like that's a huge time saver for you. There's a whole bunch of advantages. But if you're not doing that already, if you have like a spreadsheet somewhere that's kind of out of date and, you know, not only is that a whole security thing, but you know, access control and getting that wrangled. It's worth a hundred bucks a month or whatever you're going to pay for your team to use it. But those are the main areas um, diving into like, what do you need to be prepared for as a seller? I think, you know, people come in with fresh eyes and they're going to throw evaluations at you of like, Hey, this is based on different standards. This is good, bad. We we give this a letter grade. That's how I do It's like an A to a D or an F even. And we try to kind of give a report card as we go through the diligence but I think the other thing that they should also be ready to do is dust off you know, anything that maybe hasn't been touched in a while but is still in use. So legacy code is where my head goes to and, and be ready to reach out to folks maybe that were part of the team before, founding members, anybody who's in chain of custody is also the other big part to licensing here. It's like you're going to want to ideally line up the people that have worked on whatever, whatever is in your code base in production still. You're going to want to make them available if if not for an interview but just to be able to reference Mm -hmm. for yourself to to fill in backstory because you're going to get questions about why is it this way why is it that way how does this work can you diagram that for us these are the Mm -hmm. the things that i'd be ready to go into which as a non-technical owner is going to be a matter of you know line up the people you need to connect me with line up the people that uh you know can
0: answer the questions for you Hey guys, quick plug for our premium subscription on BizNexus. If you're on our premium subscription, you get access to all of our platform deals, not only the entire universe of active broker deals out there, we're basically an MLS for M&A in that regard, but also access to proprietary deals and pre-SIM broker teasers as those come in on a regular basis. Not only that, with an annual subscription, you also will now get access to our Deal Origination Accelerator Program in our community, which has collaborative workshops to help you build up your proprietary deal flow funnel yourself. So we cover outreach campaigns across email, LinkedIn, phone, snail mail, how to not only get in front of those prospects, but stay in front of them over time, which has become so important over the past 12 to 18 months as everything's just gotten so noisy out there with all the new buyers in the market. We have workshops on setting up Pipedrive CRM for M&A, leveraging that tool with your interns, with automations, the way we do it with Biznex as Concierge works we're basically giving you the playbook to our agency business access concierge through this deal origination accelerator bundle so check out our premium subscription on the platform let us know if you have any questions under 10 million i mean how many sellers if you had to guess right and how many owners are taking the steps to do this how many owners are just letting the buyer do this essentially to come through and do the diligence and then being reactive in terms of fielding these inquiries how many sellers are actually coming to the table prepared for this under 10 million valuation
2: yeah that's a great question the distinction i'm seeing is the folks that work with brokers tend to not have this available this is like the brokers will put a lot of regimented like hey you get a session one session to do this one session to do that and we'll have everybody now they will also generally do a good job of making sure there's always somebody on those calls or in those sessions to help you know answer the questions right on the spot it may not be but under 10 million you know the older the company direct sellers. I think, you know, everyone that we've worked on it. So, I mean, I don't know a percentage, but I think the ones that are are direct, that's usually the distinction that I'm seeing is like, if you're working with a broker, it's going to be a lot more structured. They may even help you like get an agency involved. If let's say, you know, you don't have those people on site work to to be able to answer those questions because they know that the questions are coming. And so,
0: yeah, that that's what and I've
2: been seeing is that's the distinction are, actually.
0: Are, are you talking so breaking that down, are you talking about like specialist brokers or maybe generalist MA brokers who kind of stumble into a tech deal, right? On one hand you've got like Empire Flippers and Quiet Led and these specialists who really know their stuff, but then you have this ocean of intermediaries who, you know, the industry's kind of behind on this.
2: Yeah, I, I would say the the specialists, that's what I've seen is like, they know what questions need to be answered. It goes a step beyond, they may not know the exact questions, but they know the realm of like, Hey, we're going to need to dig into code level specifics or operations and, you know, provide diagrams on how things work. And it may not, your question around, like, do you really need to provide this? It's like a case by case basis. Everyone's different. If you're coming into a situation, you have a CTO or you have a tech team, you're going to be able to generate those things. If you don't, no seller or no buyer is going to expect you to put that together. They're going to Mm -hmm. understand the situation, and it's going to be the profile that they're buying into. So it may have an effect on the valuation is the only warning that I would say there. If like they're going to have to do that lift. It's indicative that there are going to be other things that they're going to uncover after the sale is complete, potentially. Yeah,
1: And and I guess to follow up to that, at what point do you think it makes sense for someone who's thinking of, selling the business not ready yet when would it make sense for them to bring on someone that can help them prepare for the uh technical due diligence is it you know a couple of months is a year and what are your thoughts
2: yeah anytime anytime's good to just creating this like fictional business in my head but this is indicative of a lot of deals that i see there's always some legacy software involved the sooner that you come to grips with like what that is and understand it and start taking care of it the risk goes way down like the every year you know all the technology on the internet gets a year older and gets updated and so your stack is getting a year older potentially so if you're in a situation where you have a tech team but they don't focus on your old stuff or a situation where you don't have a tech team and your system just works great but it's a ticking time bomb to an extent. Right, so that's, right. it's all about legacy software to me in this space. And I embrace it. I love it. That's why I do this. That's why I work on these types of, on, you know, both sides of this. We both acquire and, and sell. So it's a, a matter of as soon as possible, I think paying attention to that stuff and you'll always value from it. So it'll set you up if you're thinking two years out and like, okay, I know we're going to line up a sale. The sooner you can get a wrangle on it, the, better, the happier you'll be and the more stable the, the transition will go.
1: Right, right. So it sounds yeah. like you want to have enough time to mitigate any issues that are discovered, basically. That's the, exactly. that's the idea. And I guess, you know, since you've done a lot of due diligence, what are maybe, you know, one or two, you know, most common things that you've seen business sellers get wrong? You know, what are the biggest issues that oh, you, kind of, you see a lot of?
2: Um, like, so there's a couple of things. One thing that, like we usually see and the advantage that we have as an acquirer is coming in with fresh eyes. That's kind of like, we're able to come into a situation. And so when you say get wrong, do you mean get wrong from like an operation, like coming in and seeing how things were being run or get wrong from the sale, like the transition?
1: I think from the transition, I think just that maybe they didn't prepare in advance.
2: Yeah, I mean, we've been lucky enough to not see any like really big, you know, fumbles because that's also falls on us if we miss something. But the number one thing, it goes back to the passwords. That's always the thing that that bites (laughs) people is like, and it's not the passwords you know about right now. I know this is like the the silly answer. (laughs) It's the autofill one that like somebody's brother's AWS account that got transit. You know, I have not worked on a deal in my career that didn't have at least one of those ever there's one right now that so we we did an acquisition uh four months ago and we haven't found that yet but they also did an amazing job with their they had a great like one password set up and everything was like really well organized but there's always something where an account was never really known about and you you unravel like something breaks and you have to kind of unravel and you realize oh this is on somebody's credit card that's like we don't know and so that's the going back to my initial advice, get a, get a password manager, use it right. religiously and yeah, you'll save some headaches.
0: <laughs> I had that along the way as a, as a non-dev founder, I've learned a lot of things the hard way. And, um, with biz nexus, I, I definitely fired a couple of developers along the way. And it's too bad Igor's on this call cause he would have some stories to tell, but, um, without naming my previous developer, I mean, we're talking like no source control, you know, he had clients, it was like his dad's company and, we, we, and all, all of his, like everything that was supposed to be mine was not set up under business. Nexus. It was all set up under basically like his dad. It was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, we dug through that mess and like, thank God that wasn't leading up to a sale because I would have gotten yeah. absolutely nothing. I mean, that was just to, you know, go to the next phase of, of Biz Nexus. And um, like, for me, we definitely, with exit prep, regardless of the industry, we're saying like three to five years out, you should start getting your ducks in a row. And with anything tech, like, even if you can fix it quickly, you don't want to have that question mark. So if something is untested for a year or so, like, that's still going to be something that a buyer can potentially take advantage of. If you want to have it, the transition be as smooth as possible, and you don't want to have to address questions. If you can do it two years in advance and make changes and run your business out before you take it to market, that's a better option than doing it, you know, taking care of this we are thinking of selling in the next six months and, oh, mm-hmm. we've got to make these fixes. Then having that question mark when you take it to market, I think is a mistake.
2: Yeah, I guess to that point, another really, really important thing besides the licensing, the pass, I mean, the password management thing is kind of like a, a basic block and tackle. It's you know having your roadmap buttoned up and done. Do not be in development and like thinking you're going to go through a transition. Be like a year away from last deploying something. The further you can be. I mean, it's great if you have an active and continuous release cycle. That's awesome, but you know we have seen when companies are moving at a specific clip and then a feature breaks and then there's the transition and, and then we have to figure out, well, who's going to own this and the transfer over of, of new features. I would highly recommend being at sort of a a code freeze point. It just makes life easier to evaluate, to understand, unless you are a larger company, larger companies, you're going to see this continuous larger deals or or it's more like, Hey, we're really going to transition the operations, not necessarily the, the code kind of, stuck in time but
0: yeah uh, the, especially for yeah. all of these non-technical buyers that are out there now because you've got i mean they want to buy something stable right so if you are yeah. an mba and you want to run a SaaS company i mean that is super competitive and yeah. um the last couple of years have been crazy with that kind of stuff but then you also have companies that need to get tech and they're all buying into it but they don't want to buy something that the, they want to buy something stable and proven that's built and it lumps into their company
2: which i would argue isn't really tech right it's like it it's not a characteristic of like, you can't just buy it and not take care of it. I always call these, they're living things. You got to nurture them. You got to take care of them. They do require resources and they're living. It's like, and if you ignore them, they will die. And then you really like have a scary situation where you can lose an asset uh, because these things can be broken beyond repair or at least beyond the repair of like the realm of the business you have. So to your exact point, we took over a business or acquired a business that had gone through that phase where the previous owner bought it They were a media company. They were dipping a toe in tech and realized, oh my God, we have to keep investing in this thing. Like every year we've got to put X amount of dollars just to keep it running. Like what a terrible deal. And so they immediately got out of it. And So I've definitely seen that pattern happen where it's like the, unless it's a very specific type of tech, it's going to suffer from that like
0: constant attrition. Yeah, so I always ask Igor, like, when? So when's dev over? Never. Yeah, when are we done? (laughs) Never. I can can line up an entire year of tickets. Give give me an hour, I'll line up an entire year of tickets. Uh, Line line item, never, never go away. Yeah,
2: I know we're short on time, but the other thing that did just strike me, as you said, that is, we do see when in sellers that are working with agencies, we do see a lot of agencies just kind of running that are unnecessary. Like, as if you're getting ready for a sale and it's a technical company and you're using an agency and they have a minimum, a lot of these agencies, they may be cheap. They may be affordable, like in different places all over the world, but they may have like a two developer minimum and then they just run and they build and build and build because you have to have two developers to use the agency. And it may make sense in a lot of cases, but I would definitely get involved in that. Maybe find someone to help validate if those things is what we've seen is a degradation in systems where it's like, if they just let, let it be, it would have been fine, but they kept kind of creating more tickets, creating more tickets, creating more tickets. And it really was just to keep the developers busy, not necessarily yeah. to add value to the, the
0: I've I've seen that. And I personally had that with prior relationships, but I do want to clarify with Igor, he actually like helped save me from that. Oh, so of course, because, yes. Right, right. <laughs> but that is something where I've definitely come across that in the past, where if you're not hitting their their number every month, you're either getting their, their junior dev team or, mm-hmm. um, you know, you become a, a walking dead portfolio company <laughs> as far as the yeah is, is concerned. Yeah, basically.
2: So I think what you're saying is it makes sense have an Igor. If you don't have an Igor yet, find an Igor. Find somebody who can be a fractional CTO for you. I, I don't know if Igor is fractional, but if you have the scale or not, you can always find someone to just come in and, you know, figure out a way to incentivize them. They, they will be kind of expensive, but I think it's like you wouldn't do a deal without a lawyer on your end. I, yeah. I would recommend having some sort of advocacy and expertise in that corner.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great takeaway. And Roman, unless you have any follow-ups, I think that's a that's a good wrap. I think cool. we're good. So we'll have, Brent, Roman, thank you for, for showing up today. Hopefully we'll have more of these. I think that was, that was really great, really, really insightful. We'll have your contact info in the exit prep session. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be in the notes. If you're listening to it, it'll be in the podcast. Real quick, do either of you want to chime in about how our users can find you?
1: On me, it's uh, didilio.com or Roman at didilio.com. Yeah. Or just cool. write to BizNexus.
0: You'll be there.
1: Or BizNexus.
2: Yeah. If you want to check us out or want to sell a SaaS business in the B2B space, uh, head to vernhq.com, V-E-R-N-E-H-Q.com. You can find
0: myself and my partner, Colin. It's awesome. All right. Roman, Brent, thank you so much for taking the thank time you. to show up today. Take care. Right, guys. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs>